You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are rocking with us on a brand new roundtable discussion here on Decoding Success. We are back. We have been quarantined for some time, but in New York State, you were allowed to have 10 people or less, I believe it is, something like that. So we are we are behaving, we are following the rules, and we're here to deliver you some value on this beautiful day. So I want to introduce my boys back again, my boy Anaresis. Welcome back to the show. You're Thank back. you for coming, bro. My boy, Phil Massia. Yeah, Appreciate you. Coming. Listen, am I saying your name right, bro? Oresis. No, Oresis. <laughs> yeah, no, Oresis. That's actually the proper there Greek way go. to say it, but no, you you nailed it. I, I hope I'm saying and right. Nah, you, that part you got that. You actually got both. Okay, down. I love it. I love it. So we're back, and there's obviously good vibes already. <laughs> Today's topic. We just, you know, before we get into these episodes, we kind of just dabble with a few topics. We were debating on if we were just going to pull some topics out of a hat and surprise each other. But there was one that really stood out to the three of us in particular that we kind of just wanted to dive into because we believe it serves a really, really big purpose. It's a very powerful question. And that question is, how long will you put off what you're capable of doing to maintain what you are currently doing? So I'm just going to drop that question and we'll start uh, diving into it from there. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I heard a quote once that stuck with me, and it said that real change happens when you're tired of your own shit. Mm. So, at what point do you have a do you have that breaking point that you feel like you have to either break the habit, change your life, and go in a, a completely new direction? I think that's that's different for everyone. I saw that quote today, by the way. Did you? I really saw that quote today, which is so Ooh. crazy. Wow. Now, I didn't see it today. I've been known about it for a while, but uh, it's it, that is crazy. It's just, it really makes you think too, like what's the catalyst for change? Right. There's another uh, quote that I'll just add on top of that. It's very similar, but uh, it says, when you change is when the fear of staying the same outweighs the fear of actually what you're doing. Mm. And that's when change happens. So like when I, so first off, when I hear this question, it goes two directions for me. One direction is, do I actually think that I'm doing all that I'm capable of doing? And it's just that I don't know that I could be doing better. So therefore, I think I'm doing the best. So what I'm saying is all stems back to beliefs and awareness. Or am I just stuck in my own shit, like in a rut, thinking that I'm not good enough to do what I'm capable of doing? So two separate things. And I think it all comes back to awareness and beliefs. Well, are you aware that you could be doing better than what you're doing? Do you Are you able to drop the ego to to the side and say I could be performing at X of a level higher than I am right now or am I just like you know what fuck it I'm killing it I know what I'm doing and you know I'm putting everybody's opinion to the side and just holding mine you know up top and the other side of it is that when you feel in a rut and you're like damn like I know I'm capable of more but how am I going to do it like I don't believe I can do it I, I feel like if I do I'll just F up or people will make fun of me so at, at, at what point are you like, all right, when am I going to stop feeling sorry for myself? Because I've even done this myself. When am I going to stop feeling sorry for myself? 
when am I actually going to go for it? When is the fear of not doing something going to outweigh the fear of doing it? One one word. Right. Regret. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regret. That's powerful. So obviously there needs to be some, fo- and I don't mean to get all educational here, but you know, going back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like before you can, you have to maintain to a certain extent, right? Especially if you're living in New York, um, you need to make sure that the roof is over your head. You need to make sure there's clothes on your back, food on your table, water in your cup, etc. cetera. Um, so that's definitely something that comes into play when it comes to this, right? Like you have to maintain to a certain degree and you have to have some form of safety. I forget what the first two levels of that that little triangle. I I, I guess I didn't pay attention well in school. Uh, <laughs> I know one is safety, 100. I know. I think the second one's safety. Sh- shelter, I think, is one. Maybe safety, shelter. Physiological, I think, is the okay. the the base, and then the second one's probably like shelter and safety. But um, obviously, I believe that has to be met to even explore your potential, right? Like I I know I have a very blessed setting where I am right now and I I know you guys do as well. And obviously everyone's circumstances are different, but um, I think at a certain point, it goes back to what you were saying with that quote, right? Like something needs to change. Like there needs to be something that kind of tips the iceberg and says, all right, like you're living your life to a certain extent. You're not fulfilling your true potential. But then that brings me to the question or maybe the statement, because this is something that I've been exploring in multiple different different avenues, multiple different channels, you could be scared of your own true potential too. You could really be scared of your own true potential and it's the unknown, right? Because we don't necessarily know what our true potential is. We can think of it, like we, we could probably vision it at the same time, but ultimately we really don't know. I do think some people are afraid of climbing the mountain of success and falling and success being whatever they envision as being successful. Some people are afraid of the fall, while others are just like, you know what? I'm gonna climb and climb and take my chances. So it's getting over the fear of, like you said, putting yourself in a situation to fail. And I do think a lot of people self-sabotage as well. I I actually think a lot of people, whether they're aware of it or not, will, because they find themselves growing and they are going outside of that comfort zone and they might have friends that are like, hey man, like we don't really see you as much anymore. A lot of, you're really changing and in order to just, just appease people, they tone it down a notch and they never quite soar for reasons like that. And then also I, I think, you know, we've always heard act as if, you know, um, you know, fake it till you make it. Even though I don't necessarily love the phrasing of that quote, but there is some truth to it as well. Is you need a little kickstart. You know, you need some small successes to kind of pile on and create this giant uh, like avalanche, really, of more and more successes. So I think small wins certainly help to give yourself the belief that hey, I can turn over a new leaf. I can do this, um, but. Oftentimes, people get discouraged in the beginning if they don't have those those wins right away. They're like, ah, this is not for me. I'm just going right. to go back to doing what's comfortable. You know, you bring up a very interesting point. I think another thing that holds people back in that maintain phase is the fact that their dream is so big and so far away that they don't 
necessarily focus on the small, right? That was actually something I discovered today. It's paralyzing in a sense, and it's it's debilitating in a sense because uh, I'll use my example. I want to impact one billion lives, right? I'm not going from zero to a billion in a day, but if you go from zero to one, uh, you know, one to three, three to seven, like that's monumental growth over the course of X amount of time. And I think a lot of people, including myself, because like I said, I was exploring this today with a coach. Um, they just get caught up in the fact that it's so far away that they don't even move forward. Right. Totally. And I have a very similar goal as well. You know, I want to reach as many people as humanly possible. But I think when you don't like we think so macro and sometimes you don't realize the effect that you're having on your inner circle. Right. And let's just say your Instagram following or friends of friends, you know, it doesn't always have to be, I impacted 1,000 people off the bat yeah. or I impacted, you know, 100,000 people. Like you can get there. If you actually impacted five people and doing what you're doing on a daily basis, that's a good start. And I don't think people, enough people give themselves credit for even impacting one individual. If you can change one individual's life, that's, you got to start somewhere. You know, people are like, oh, I want a million followers or I want this. Well, unless you're Justin Bieber on YouTube putting out a song and getting, mm-hmm. you know, tens of millions of, of, of uh, views right away. I mean, yes, that's certainly possible. But the more pragmatic way about it is you start small and you keep building and building momentum. Then other people will say, hey, you know, this this person's onto something. Yeah. And that's how you that's how you get your following. And, and that goes back to what you said earlier, Matt, about people sometimes being afraid about the journey and the work. Whereas they want, they're so fixated on that final destination, but you know, this quote is as old as can be, but it's, it's so true. That's the reason it remains relevant. It really is not about the, the destination. It's about the journey. So if you enjoy impacting that one person, those five people, those 10 people, all of a sudden you're going to impact a lot more people because you're enjoying and appreciating the people around you. And you know, you're appreciating the process. And once you fall in love with the process, that's how you'll be able to give more naturally. Right. Did they make you take microeconomics before macro in college? believe so. I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember, man. Well, I'm just thinking about I got it. My, requir- my requirements out of the way. I don't know. <laughs> I did what I had to, but I don't recall. I'm just thinking about it. It's like you can't really know what the ma- uh, know what the micro is without the macro first, right? right? I believe that. Like, I, I wouldn't know how to get from here to Sag Harbor without knowing where Sag Harbor is. Like, I, I wouldn't know that I need to make a, a ride and then get on the LIE and, and drive wherever, right? Like, right. I got I got actually a powerful exercise and it relates to me. Uh, what I said before at the beginning of the podcast, that was me. That was me at one point. A uh, huge amount of, you know, of what I deemed successes, kind of win after win after win after win. And I fell in a rut a few years back. Uh, this was after accounting, went to work with a family member and kind of fell in a little bit of a rut. And I seen myself in that. So I did this exercise and it could be that maybe my rut to someone else is not really a rut rut, but to me it was because you, you said, you know, being at a certain level. So this goes right back into what you said about macro micro. So a lot of times we do visualization and we say, this is where we are now. Where do we want to be one year from now, five years from now, 10 years, 20 years. We think about it. 
we make it very vivid clarity we feel it and we say all right cool this is you know the person i'm with these are the kids this is the house this is that and you feel good and it's like all right that's great and then what i did was i did the opposite of it i don't know who i received it from but i remember it was a big thing i said instead of thinking five ten twenty years out and how good i feel i'm gonna say five ten twenty years out and i'm in the same exact place i am right now and i didn't hit what i wanted to hit because i stayed exactly the same Mm. so how crummy would it be if i was the same educational level the same money or less money no love no relationships no friendships no memories no excitement i knew i didn't want to be there that was a reset moment for me and any single time i've noticed that i've changed my pattern my trajectory i've done a pivot is when i have a reset moment like that it happened to me in business too it's like if i keep continuing at the path that i'm continuing am i going to be happy and fulfilled in x amount of years and then i'm like you know what i could stay this way i could do okay but is that really what i want that at the end of the day is that you know is that what i'm going to be happy with and fulfilled so that comes from like a personal thing i i just 180 it and i said instead of thinking how lovey-dovey life would be 20 years from now like how shitty would it be if i stood exactly the same yeah, you reverse the so do you think that your fear drives you as well absolutely yeah yeah i i think this is something that I've learned over time, but uh, personal development, obviously, like all of us. But you know, you have to have uncertainty in your life. Yeah. Right? Why do we enjoy? You know, uh, we don't know when we walk into a casino if we're going to win or not. We don't know if we walk into a club if we're going to take a girl home or not. Like, you know, we 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 have no idea. We don't know if when we walk into a meeting, we're going <laughs> to make me laugh. No, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm serious. No, you're right. You're we right. We don't know if when we walk into a meeting if we're going to land the client or not. We it's, love uncertainty. We love uncertainty. What it is is... Humans love it. We love it. And when you stay in that comfort zone, you stay in a place of certainty. Because it feels good. I know what to expect. Right. I've been there before. Oh, you know what? I know that I get dinner at this time. I get my lunch break at this time. I get on the bus at this time. I ask my wife if she's ready to do it at this time. And she tells me yes or no. You know what I'm saying? But uh, a controlled state of uncertainty is, I think, where the growth happens right but we also all three of us at this table like variety there are a lot of people who do not like you variety and what bro be specific well i could go down a lot of <laughs> roads, but, uh, like phil was just saying uh, variety slash uncertainty right but i think what you're trying to do correct me if i'm wrong when you're talking about the path of the future is even though you're driven by uncertainty by you planning all these things out you're trying to add a level of certainty into your future so as much as you love uncertainty you also value certainty yeah because what i and i didn't know at the time i did a lot of things over time that proved to be right but i didn't know what i was doing at the time right. and it's so true it's it's come back to me a million times the as Joe Dispenza talks about your body can't tell the difference between a thought and an experience if you vividly think something your brain your mind thinks that it actually happened so me going out 10 15 20 years but not just saying it like oh I just want to make a lot of money like being so vivid like I want to have 1.1 mil in the account or 1.1 whatever like you know being so vivid 
that that's where the certainty part comes mm-hmm. in. You're tying it back to that. I'm making it more certain by making my brain more aware of it, so it feels like I'm already living in the future self. And that that's kind of why why I do both. But at the same time, I said to myself, you know, you could just keep thinking that, thinking that, thinking that, but sit in your apartment and not do anything. So I needed the the, the fear, the fear of not changing, to mm-hmm. also kick me in the rear to move right you said a quote from Seinfeld uh, me no not you I was to say, I <laughs> no, no, before your time <laughs> Phil the George Costanza method it's it was it, it was actually in a lot of people's yearbooks back in the day and it, it was actually it reminded me reminded me of what you just said you're like it's not a lie if you believe it now that could go down another crazy path but are you saying would you say that that Joe Dispenza theory would also tie into that as well that if you believe something strongly enough that you will reap the benefits of the story you tell yourself yeah so it's what I learned so far and I'm still learning is that it needs to be backed by a holistic intention see humans just want to feel whole at the end of the day whatever whole feels to you we want to feel loved accepted want to feel joy we just want to feel whole like we don't necessarily want money, want this, want that. We just want to feel good, feel whole. When we feel whole, everything around us is connected. Mm-hmm. So he says that if you think of a thought from a place of an elevated emotion, which is wholeness, he says, is the number one, the number one thing and love, obviously. If you think of something from that place, it you're going to bring it to you and you're going to want to stay on that path. You're not going to want to divert from it because it feels so whole. If it just felt like the spur of the moment thing, like I just want to just be because somebody else has it, uh, I won't stick with it. So yeah, absolutely. If you think of it enough, like being grateful for something that hasn't happened yet, and you know that's uh, I don't want to go too off, you know, right or left, but this ties back directly to the topic about how I got kicked in the butt. But uh, I didn't want to just think lovey dovey and then still be in the same spot. The kid that's still dreaming when he's forty, right. you know, there's a healthy dose of reality that's the kick too. So I think it's like a push. Pull. I'm driven from both sides. Yeah. I'm driven from how I'm going to feel when I hit that. And I'm driven from, oh shit, what if I don't hit that? How how shitty am I going to feel if I stay in the exact same spot? So that goes back to that topic of faith and fear, right? Oh, yeah. The, the only two entities that could you know, occupy the body. You had the faith that, you know, at whatever age you're going you're to get it. And then you also had the, the entity of fear knowing that, yo, if this doesn't fucking happen, like, you know, you're driven by that. So it's really powerful. The fact mm. that, uh, that really comes full circle. This book is on, it's on point, bro. Outwitting the devil. I view it as, uh, I, I view that the faith and the fear, just touch on that for a second. I view it as they're both neutrals. But that's what I learned is like we grew up in a society where it's it's given us a definition and we were just born into it. So we just accept the definition. But if we just redefine what that means, they're both neutral. Like neither are good or bad, just how you define it. Mm. So if they're both neutral, both can be kicked in either direction to either help you or hurt you. There's some people who believe in faith that are like, they, they, they you know, what's the word uh, when they're... Uh, Thinking of people who are non-believers, so it's atheist. Yeah, my Jesus piece on. Nah, there's, there's people who there's people who receive faith and use it as a great thing. People who don't. People who use fear as a good thing. Right. There's people mm-hmm. whose fear cripples them. So yeah, it's, yeah. It's like it's like that pH scale. It's right in the middle. 
either aesthetic or basic is how you look at it. I do think that a, a certain amount of fear is unhealthy though. Like, cause you can go down the fucking rabbit hole. And yep. one thing I was learning today is, um, Basically, if an event takes place that makes you fearful, for instance, let, let's look at it, a speaking engagement. I have some form of fear going into that speaking engagement, right? I'm a, I'm a human being. I, I do give a fuck about what people are going to think about me. I, I do think like that. But the stories that we put around that event, it can really drive fear downward and downward and downward. And that's when fear becomes crippling, right? And that's, that's more of what I'm learning when it comes to thought patterns. Like that event that takes place, you don't receive a text back from the girl you're talking to. Um, you know, you get in a car accident or whatever the case is that you put in a greater sign bracket, right? That's in there. But what goes around that greater sign bracket is really fucking powerful. And that can cripple you really, really can. It goes down a fucking spiral. It can go upward too. It can definitely go upward. But I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm a pessimist optimist like i'm uh you know i'm kind of on both sides of the fence so can i ask you then in we're talking about fears and that can um, obviously affect you in a lot of different ways what would you say is one of your biggest fears and how has it led you to take a certain path in life me personally i think my biggest fear is not living my true potential mm-hmm. which is yep. funny because that's the topic we're really on right you that's know like is. is that yours as well phil yeah um i just i'm just regurgitating what ed Milet said i said it in a, a keynote once he says at the end of his life you know he's, he's a big believer in god and he at the end of his life he goes up to the you know to the golden gates he sees it and he sees you know, God there, and he sees right next to him is his twin, and that's the version that lived to his true potential. Mm. And he wants to walk up to the twin, and he wants to give him a huge hug, give him a pound, and that twin is an exact replica, copy, resemblance of who he is, because that means he lived his true potential. They're gonna receive each other as one. But he said it would really suck if when I go to give that guy a hug, he looks at me and we're nothing alike. Mm. Damn. And like when he said that, like, yo, it fucking hit. Damn. Like it hit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I does. felt that. Like when you see yeah. that meme on wow. Instagram, you're like, yo, I felt that. Like I felt that. You know what I'm saying? What's your biggest fear? Well, that's what I was going to say. We didn't talk about this prior to the podcast recording. Yeah, we all have the same biggest fear in life. I've oh. always said for years, this is about for 15 years chills. now. Chills. Yeah, dude, I'll have a lot of Greek uh, yeah. hair oh, on no, my arms. I can see your chills. I can yeah. still see your chills. <laughs> uh, yo. the, the Greek hair on my arm has, has, been, has been raised because we didn't talk about this prior to, and that is hands down my biggest fear in life. I've been saying it for a long time, um, is not living to my true potential and and living uh, a quote-unquote average lifestyle or an average life rather when I know in my heart that I'm destined for more mm. and what you just said the yeah. end my let thing just really that really resonated with me and there's an example of that that maybe inspired him to, to give that example it's a really old movie I saw with my parents like from the 80s that uh, wasn't even born yet no, bro. Uh, come on. Yeah. Oh, no. wow. 90s, baby. That's right. So uh, it's called Defending Your Life. And basically, okay. this uh, the main character, he dies early. I believe it was a car accident. I think it was something like he was trying to, like, uh, uh, to, to date this movie. A tape cassette falls out of the player, and he's searching for it, and his car goes out of control, hits a truck, and now he is in purgatory. And he's uh, being put through a trial, 
and he has to defend his life. And basically, he has to go up in front of a judge and they have to review highlights from his life. The best of and the worst of highlight reel. Like in ESPN, top 10 plays and not 10 plays. It's essentially like that. And he has to go there with his attorney and they have to say, hey, what was going on here exactly? What was going on through your mind? And there was instances, I believe, like there, there was a woman there, a woman that he wanted to speak to and he held back and he actually didn't. And they showed like, hey, this was what your life could have been like had you mustered up the courage to go ahead and go up there and talk to her. You would have had this life. This would have been your family. And essentially what the movie was at the end of it, the, the story was or the real message was, you know, are you living a life? Are you just getting by or every day are you pushing yourself to grow and live life on your terms? Mm. And that's what it's all about, right? Is living life on our own terms. And granted, there are certain things like Matt alluded to earlier, like public speaking and talking in front of a crowd that are scary for most people. You know, statistically, they say that is the number one biggest fear. I don't know if you heard this. And number two is death. Well, number one Mm. is speaking in, in front of people. And when you go ahead and you accomplish that, and you could talk to it because you do it more than any of us here, but when you go ahead and you tackle that goal, like what are the feelings like? Go uh, that's a good fucking question. I think the feeling is is what I love the the term ROI. Phil mentioned it before. It's the ROI, right? It's the feeling of the individuals you're talking to coming up to you after and telling you how how they you know they got impacted from whatever you were talking about, right? So that's that's the answer right there. And I've never not had that happen. And. 25 plus speaking engagements every single time I've ever spoke like I've had that and that's the accomplishment right and I, I think that it ties into the the purpose right of impacting lives so feels fucking good man there's no other way to really put it it feels fucking good you know it, it I always say it's like a, a butterfly feeling you know like yeah. when you get the the butterflies from a significant other dude I haven't felt it in forever and then 2017 when I had my first speaking engagement at Nassau Community College I was like holy shit like like I'm feeling it in my gut like when you feel in your gut I think that's how you really know like yo this is something you really really like obviously if you're just fucking with some random chick like you're not gonna feel butterflies but if you're fucking with the one that you really really care about you feel it in your Mm -hmm. gut right same thing goes for something like this man it's it's crazy and how did you feel that as far as delivery and just overall just how polished did you feel after doing it one time versus the <laughs> 25th time dude the first time i spoke i was first of all i thought i spoke for 45 minutes i looked down i spoke for 15 <laughs> i was already done <laughs> i was already done and i'll never forget geo geo derice who was on the show he came to the first speaking engagement and i'll never forget i looked I looked at him and I looked down at the fucking clock and I'm like, yo, I've been speaking for 15 minutes. What the fuck do I do now? Yikes. I told myself the entire time after I landed the engagement, I was like, yo, I don't need to prepare. I already know what I'm talking about. I I, I live this. Mm. Not true. <laughs> Not true at all. And after that, I realized how important preparation is. So the first one I did, I was just like, yo, this is fucking terrible. At that 15 minute mark, I said, yo, this is, this is literally shit. Like I remember saying that in my head and it wasn't being my own worst critic. It was literally just, 
I knew it was shit. Granted, I was talking to a group of kids that valued the experiences that we all have, right? So that was the first one. The last one, or my one of my favorite ones, actually, I actually just spoke last week to a, a client's uh, company called Chatterboss, but my favorite speaking engagement was probably in Florida to um, a bunch of fraternity members. It was like it was like I was talking in a locker room, like it was it was bro talk, and. I, I was really fucking polished at that point because at that point I was under Damon's guidance so I saw how he prepared for shit I saw how his team prepared him for shit now I don't have a team per se but I was able to double the preparation in uh, regard to um, you know having both ends of that and it was flawless like just my delivery of it understanding like how much time is dedicated to each thing and when, when you do it like that, it becomes even more fun. Mm. Like it, it becomes more fun because you cr- you criticize yourself less. You know, it, that reminds me of the story that you guys might have heard, and it talks about the story of two performers. One is Carly Simon, and the other is Bruce Springsteen. Carly Simon, before she'd go on stage, she'd say, um, "I I can't go." So she'd been performing for over a decade and then all of a sudden she developed this anxiety and this fear Mm. so she would say I can't go up on stage and they'd ask her well what's wrong what are you feeling and she'd say well I feel butterflies in my stomach I get jittery I start sweating I feel really nervous and all of a sudden I know I'm having a panic, panic attack and I can't go up there and I'm not ready Bruce Springsteen the boss the boss and by the way I don't listen to his music. Like I'm not just, I never have I ever on Spotify been like, you know what? I'm in the Bruce Springsteen mood. Right. But I seen this man play. He's a fucking legend. And when I was there, I remember turning to the girls dating at the time and we just like nodded our heads and we're like, that's why they call him the boss. Like he is such a perfectionist. It's incredible watching him live. Even if you like, even if you don't listen to his music, you got to respect what he does. Right. Anyways, I digress. So mm-hmm. he'd been performing for about that long too, right? For about a decade. And and they'd talk to Bruce Springsteen and they'd be like, hey, what's going on in your mind? And he's like, you know, every time I get up on stage, I get butterflies, I get jittery, um, I start sweating and my hands start shaking. That's how I know I'm fucking ready to go out there. Right, right, right. the same exact thing. But when he got in touch with his emotion and what all the things that were happening in his gut, he perceived that as it's fucking go time. Whereas Carly Simon felt the same exact emotions and she goes, I'm feeling all these feelings. It's crippling me. Mm. So we all feel those same feelings prior to, you know, any big event. It's just all a matter of the communication that we have with ourselves and how we perceive those emotions because we're all feeling the same exact things. Right. Also, too, um, I haven't spoke anywhere near as much as Matt, but the times that I did, I spoke to like-minded people who were really interested in what I had to deliver even before they even knew of me or heard a word from me. And uh, I have no idea if this is correct or not, but I literally went in my car, I can't even tell you, probably like probably like 20 to 30 times and had on the voice recorder on my phone. Mm. And I was talking into the phone and I just played it back, played it back, played it back. And I wasn't trying to get it perfect. I was only just trying to get like the topics. But I'll tell you one thing, and this relates back to the topic. Whenever you're in what in what people call and what I what I'm what I've learned in recent years called the flow, when you're really really loving what you're doing, it feels so good, so natural that you wish you can just stay in that state 
infinitely. The world around you stops. Time stops. It's kind of like when we did yoga the other day, and I literally lost. Remember that? I, I lost time. I kind of just thought I was in. What that? What it really comes down to is, as I'm talking, when time stops and everything goes away, it means you're really focused on the present moment. And I've learned that when I'm in the flow of whatever I'm doing. That's when I'm due and my best shit. I am my best person. So getting back to that question, we capable of doing it's uh, it was kind of for me like learning a little bit of, of switching the norm, understanding that for me, my big thing was uh, who do I want to be? How would I feel if I was there? And also the regret of if I wasn't when I was there. Mm-hmm. I have one life. I was one of, you know, I, I, I don't even know how many uh, the scientific thing is like 400 million or trillion possibilities that my parents could have had a baby and I'm that one person. Mm-hmm. You were the strongest sperm because I, I made it. I made it, right? And uh, so I was in the flow inside of my father. <laughs> 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 Can we save that sound please? Oh my god. I had, to, I had to drop that. I had to drop that. My dad would be proud of me if he heard this one day. Um, but uh, so, and then I also had to just switch the norm. I had to switch the norm. I had to understand that uh, stress, is a, stress is a privilege. There's good stress and bad stress. Mm. But stress is meaning that if you have a feeling stress, it, you're, you're, it means that you're about to hit the barrier of what could be the next level. And if you digress from that barrier, it's kind of like, like David Meltzer talks all the time, the flower going through the dirt. And the hardest point is when it's about to hit the soil. That's the hardest point when that little yeah. flower is right about the tip. And uh, as long as you can become comfortable with doing that, stay in the flow while doing that, understand that that's a great thing, then I think you're always gonna do what you're capable of. Uh, but if you are about at the top of the soil, but you keep coming back down, uh, you may not realize it now, but later on, um, you won't be too satisfied with how you conducted your life. Yeah. So when you say the flow, flow state, right? Yep. Tim Grover, who was the personal trainer for MJ, for Kobe, and for D Wade, he likened that state, but has a different name for it, one that we've all heard before, the zone. The zone. So flow is called being in the zone. And when you're in the zone, there's an aura about you. People want to be around you. Like people don't doubt you. They're like, yo, I don't know what this guy or this girl is going to do, but they're going to fucking accomplish it. Like they're unstoppable and you just have this presence about you. But being in the zone comes with or flow comes with a lot of homework that people don't see. People just be like, oh, this person's gifted. You know, Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player to ever walk this planet. However, that guy who was in the zone, right? He was up at 5 a.m. at the gym. He was shooting his thousand free throws by what is six thirty a.m. Right. He didn't. You could say, "Oh, Jordan's gonna hit a free throw," but you know what? Those extra few that he might have, you know, get that lucky bounce. It's not so lucky. It's because he puts himself in the zone and things break in his favor more. So to get into flow and to get into the zone, people have to do things that I think others are not aware of. Like we live in this culture of, you know, of Instagram, social media, and we just see the end result. 
no very rarely do people post the struggle or all the homework that goes along in with it like hey this is me reading books or hey this is me like eating healthy foods or this is me staying in for the night instead of hanging out with all my friends and popping bottles at a club but those are the things that get you into flow those are the things that get you into the zone and they're not sexy but oh, they're right. proven. I agree well that, that ties into our topic right like maintaining is almost easy in a sense it's it's mandatory right but when it comes down to doing what you're actually capable of that's that extra work not everyone wants to do that shit yeah it's 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 com it's a compounded effect of preparation belief getting in the flow like if you're speaking and you're in the flow or you're about to deliver you know something that's life-changing to a client the the client like you said like they see you in the zone you're in the flow like getting into that flow meant that you put years and years and years of preparation for this tiny moment mm-hmm. that got that made you feel this way in that moment sometimes they don't even know if what you're doing the other person is like for them they just know that this motherfucker is so absolutely certain that I need to go with him because yeah. I, I need that around me like that certainty and uh, if you deliver that when you speak I mean that's huge deliver that in client meetings that's huge and then then it comes back to this topic you deliver that that certainty, that flow, but do you want to stay there for the rest of your life? Keep getting the client. That, maybe that client was a thousand. So do you want to keep getting a thousand dollar clients, or do you want to keep compounding and doing the back work? So now you feel in the flow when you're delivering that for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollar job. So you know the whole thing about I could stay there even when I'm kind of doing good, or I could keep going up, and that's the way the three of us are. Yeah, but. I think a lot of times people will find what works for them and they'll be like, oh shit, this is a formula that works. And then they take plays off. They take time off. They take days, weeks, months off. How many players do you think right now with the NBA around the corner are not in game shape ready? And these are professional NBA players. Yep. There's plenty of them that yeah. are not game shape ready right now. But I can guarantee you this, whether you like them or you, whether you hate them, LeBron is ready to go right now. I can guarantee it. Yeah. Because that's the type of dude that he is. He is constantly in the zone. You know, he wants to be the best, even if there's no games right now. And we talked about earlier, like the little things, like the thousand free throws. He's like, all right, there's 48 minutes in the game. There's all these plays on, off, offense, defense. There's, there's a science behind it. But championships are won and lost on the smallest things, the minutia, the free throw. You know, that one free throw could be the game changer. And what are we doing to improve, you know, our quote unquote, our free throws, the things that really should be a slant, really like easy, easy points, but we're not doing or we're taking plays off or we're taking time off. Like I know for me, meditation, right? When I do my meditation, I guaranteed have a better day. It's never not happened. I always have a better day to sell. It could be 1% better. It could be 20% better. But no matter what, my day is going to be better to some degree because I practice the fundamentals of what I know I should be doing. And yet, knowing all this, there's times where I take days off, weeks off. I've went, I've gone months in the past, not recently, not recently, but in the past, I've gone months without meditating. And I know that I have to do it. I know it's going to make me better, yet I don't. So it really comes down to, like, I guess, coming full circle is 
what's your breaking point and at what point are you tired of your own shit to say that this is not just going to be a temporary change but a lasting change what makes what makes change last and stay this time as opposed to all the other times you said it before in the past being fed up yeah is there a lifestyle basically what I heard is is that that going to be a way of life is you doing what you're capable of going to be a way of life a lifestyle right or is it just a for the moment thing is it a program you hop on hop off right right people sometimes and this is including myself will see the result and then we'll go back to the old habit Mm -hmm. right so for instance if you're I don't know random example you're talking meditation if you're feeling stressed and you, you need some clarity you'll meditate for three weeks straight and you're like oh I'm good and the next thing you know automatically you go back to the grind without meditating and next thing you know you're stressed again you're you're monkey minded or whatever mm-hmm. um, that happens all the time it's uh, it's crazy once people get that result they go right back yeah Joe Dispenza says it uh, he says relating back to him he says that um, you can't create an exponential effect an exponential experience from the same place that you had created the smaller experience from in the past so what got you to a million dollars if you just think you're going to just keep doing that and eventually hit the hundred million uh, it's two different mindsets Mm. two different set of habits two different results Uh, and also you can't create a few future result, a bigger future result living in the past future result. So this all goes back to this thing like I need to once again play out, envision it and I need to you know either pull myself closer to it or pull it closer to me but it, it won't get you there. You know the 100,000 mindset won't get you to 100 million. You need right. to keep developing the bigger mindset. That's powerful. So we've, we've been rolling for a while now. If you were to give a piece of advice to help someone understand that they need to, or they could go from maintaining to doing what they're potentially capable of doing, what what's the advice? So, I think, I'm sorry. Okay. No, no. I think you have to have a contract with yourself. Um, once you commit to that, like they say, for example, diets never work. Uh, however, if you are fasting, that's a non-negotiable, right? If you're saying, hey, I'm fasting from, let's just say I'm fasting from uh, meat, you know, in the Greek culture, um, if it's done correctly, I've done it before. Uh, not Wait, what do the Greeks do? They, well, for fasting for Lent, uh, you're, not, you're not supposed to have dairy or meat for 40 days. Wow. They say 40 days is actually like, it's like 49, so I don't know why they downplay it. Let's round up to 50, but it's uh, 40 days, they say. And you're not supposed to have dairy and you're not supposed to have meat. I've done it before. Um, actually, several times over. And if somebody offers you like cake, chocolate ice cream cake or, or like, hey, I have a cheeseburger on the grill, there is 0% chance I'm going to touch that. However, if I'm on a diet, there's a lot of flexibility there. There's no right. contract. It's very loose. The terms and conditions aren't quite established. I haven't signed that mental contract with myself. Mm-hmm. So, eh, you, it, and it only takes a little bit of coaxing. All it takes is, come on. You're like, ah, oh, you're right. You make a valid argument, great point, and that's all it takes. But when you have that commitment and that contract with yourself and you don't break it for anyone, that's what ultimately causes lasting change. And they say that 
uh, habits are created in, you know, I've heard all different numbers, 21 days, 30 days. I, no, I actually right. don't think that's accurate. I think it takes a lot longer. Um, but if you have somewhere to track it, so if you have, say, um, a journal or you have – or even if you tell others, if you tell – and you don't have to advertise it to the world, but – if you tell your friends and family and people that you know will check up on you and care about you as a way to hold yourself accountable, you don't want to be – no one wants to be full of shit. No one wants right. to come off as, as someone that's dishonest or a liar or like – for me, I always want to be a man of my word. So when I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do that thing and I think I can't break it because I already told Phil. I already told Matt that I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm in. I'm committed at this point. There's no there's no break in this. Right. So with that said, if you don't have that contract, it's easy to, to find ways out of it. 100%. So for me, the advice that I would give is to make sure people are building brick by brick, right? Um, you, you don't build a house just by throwing a whole bunch of bricks in a pile. And, you know, that's, that's the macro, right? I think ultimately, as we were discussing before, there – in my life, at least, there needs to be at least some form of certainty. Uh, I'm not saying that it needs to be a 100% certain, but I do think you at least need, uh, and listen, I guess I'm giving the guy a lot of credit, fucking Maslow. Shout out to Maslow. <laughs> like, this guy's the fucking man. But I do think you you, you need those, those two base layers before you could actually start exploring what you are capable of doing. I'm not saying you can't know what you're capable of doing before that, but at the same time, I do think that it should be a brick-by-brick brick process as opposed to just just, uh, you know, diving in or, you know, there's that famous quote I think I've mentioned on the show a whole bunch of times, you know, jump off the cliff and build a plane on the mm-hmm. way down. I realized that that's how I operated for quite some time. And then I realized that I didn't know how to build the plane. So I was just jumping off the cliff trying to build the plane without a blueprint to build the plane. And I was just going up in flames every single time. So um, if you're going to jump off the cliff, make sure you know how to build the plane. But <laughs> essentially what it comes down to is, uh, for me at least, make sure you're building brick by brick. That's awesome. Both powerful stuff. Uh, what I would say is sometimes you can get, especially when you're in a rut and it comes back to belief and maybe you're not having the belief to do it. Sometimes you could, you could get in that rut and uh, maybe I'm not good enough. I don't know. So another powerful way to do it is, yes, contract with yourself. Yes, brick by brick. Those are very powerful. Also think about by you not being like, play your life out and say by you not being the best version of yourself how many people am I not helping that I otherwise should I would have if I was the best version of myself so by, by me being the best version how many people would I have impacted how many people would I have done business with how many people would I have loved would I have hugged would I have you know met and I haven't done that and it could be in the billions hundreds of thousands it could, right. be, it could even just be one person and maybe you know I'm gonna go deep for a second but maybe it was even you talking to someone that was possibly gonna commit suicide mm-hmm. and you changed that person's life just one person mm-hmm. by you believing in yourself so if not for you I think you should always do it for you but sometimes in the beginning you don't have that belief so think about the people that you would have helped but uh, you didn't because you stood exactly in the same place mm-hmm. and how exponentially uh, the ripple effect would have happened their lives would have been different which would have meant that everyone that they dealt with would have been different that they dealt with would have been different right. and it would have just been a, a chain effect throughout honestly eternity way past your death right. uh, and maybe no one would have known it but 
you know, uh, you you would, and maybe when you're, maybe after whatever you believe, at the end of the day, maybe you'd be down looking at that and be like, yo, that was worth it. Exactly. It's like that movie, The Butterfly Effect, where they say just the ripple of one butterfly's wings changes the air, changes the, really the course of history. So, right. to to your point, yeah, you can that one conversation that. You know, maybe you stayed a little bit longer than you wanted to and having a conversation with somebody, maybe you made that impact and changed somebody's life and that goes well beyond all our lifetimes. It's powerful shit. Yeah. We gave people a lot to think about during this episode. There, sure. There's a Let's lot do. to think about. And again, I just want to pose the question on, on everyone here. You know, how long will you put off what you're capable of doing to maintain what you are currently doing? I think that's something that a lot of people, including myself and us here, need to always, you know, keep in the forefront of our minds, not even in the back of our minds, but in the forefront. I think that's really, really powerful. So um, with that said, I just want to thank you, gentlemen, Phil. Appreciate Yo, you, brother. Thank you for hopping on. Absolutely. And always a pleasure with you guys. Guys. Great to be back. All of their social handles are in the show notes of this episode. Until next time, everyone, be blessed. Peace.